0: Here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCrady. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in with this
3: Tuesday edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase Palm, Neil McCrady, Clark Ford Studio here today. We're going to uh, call Kyle Tucker in a second. Kyle covering the University of uh, Kentucky basketball. A little bit of football, but mostly basketball For the Athletics, been doing it a long time. He was in the Bahamas with the Wildcats. He um, was, I guess, in attendance or nearby when Cal gave his comments that uh, ignited the uh, Mark Stoops feud last week. Mitch Barnhart been really pleased with his two head coaches in that regard. So we'll uh, preview Kentucky football a little bit. We'll talk some basketball and more here with Kyle coming up in uh, just a couple minutes on the podcast. I podcast. Brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about the lunch specials that are $5.69, two sides, bread, 32-ounce drinks. You know about the Exxon Mobile app where you download it, and it will automatically give you a 1,000 bonus points. 1,000 bonus points is 10 bucks at the pump whenever you wish in any Blue Sky location in Mississippi. And then also uh, let them take care of dinner tonight. The ribs, hot plate, call ahead. They'll wrap it up, have it ready to go. Got side items, desserts, the whole deal there with the Oxford Exxon. Again, all blue sky locations and coming to you from the Clark Ford studio.
4: We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in uh, business hours. He, uh get the quote. You can Take it, do what you wish with it. You can use it elsewhere, or you can do what I've done. Would I recommend that you do. I've done it several times now. Probably about to do it again shortly. And that is uh, hop into a Clark Ford, 662 257 that number. Again, Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. They provide great service, great products. You'll see it when you deal with them, 662 257 100 guests, including Kyle Tucker, join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to grab a burger, a po' boy, watch some games, uh, just get out of the heat for a minute, whatever the case may be. Uh, And then also Rafters New Albany and still, for a couple more weeks, Rafters on the water out at Sardis.
5: We can go
3: with Kyle. We'll talk a little uh, little football. We'll
4: post some stuff on
3: the board the last couple days. And um, media stuff yesterday, so we'll uh, we'll discuss that after we get done with the uh, with the Wildcats. If anything, we're just kind of stalling for about ninety seconds. If we're being completely honest here on the show this morning, yes, um, that is that is what we're doing. But that's all it's all well and good. Um, Lane appeared
4: jovial, right? Ooh, didn't like so. No, thought he pissed yesterday. Um, I wouldn't go pissed, but I wouldn't go jovial somewhere in between that spec on that spectrum. Um, I thought for him, he was in a relatively good mood for him
3: because I sense he has two different sarcasm situations. One when he's annoyed and one when he's like, okay, fine, whatever, but I'm just sort of screwing with you. And I felt like he was back and forth yesterday.
4: I don't think he likes that setup. Even the room. I don't think he likes the room. Yeah. The acoustics are horrible. It's not Ole Miss's fault. The people, yeah, the no, people no. that are doing it, are doing like Seth Austin and those guys are kicking ass. I mean, they've they've made it.
3: Consi- you guys don't understand the environment we're in for the product they're able to get to you. It's, yes, it's
4: remarkably remarkable how good the product is. Considering if you witness it live, you're like, I don't know how they're going to hear this because I can't hear it. Like I'm, I'm I'm six feet from Lane and my recorder's barely picking him up. Yeah. Um. No, he's okay. He knew the quarterback question was coming because he kind of—I don't know how else anybody else wrote it—but when he mentioned Knox, I was like, "Oh, thank you. You just gave me my lead." And I needed something. I'm like, "Okay, so there's nothing. There's no decision. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Give me something." And he did when he gave the Knox facetimes him every day, asking about, "Hey, you know, don't you? So tell me." And he's like, "I really don't know." It's eight by the way. And then. Okay, and then he got the question. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. He got the question, of, is that bad? And he's like, I ah, know. And then I asked him, is there any chance you go into this with two? And he didn't say no. no. He didn't say yes, but if you go back and listen to it and transcribe it and write it out, he didn't say no. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll get to um, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. I've just got to dial his number. You'll hear all the dings. <laughs>
3: When it connects and you hear him tell him he's live, because he's not going to be aware of that. There's no way he's going to see it
4: before. Okay. Nice catch a little tune. Hello? Hey, Kyle, this is Neil McCready, Chase Parham. You're live, by the way, on our live stream. So. Just just to okay. be to be fully aware. Uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us, Kyle Tucker, longtime Kentucky beat writer with The Athletic now. I know he's with, I think you are the Louisville Courier-Journal for a while. Uh, you're, you've emerged over the last, I don't know, decade plus as the authority on Kentucky basketball, which is saying something, because there's, I don't know, 700 beat writers on that beat?
1: There's a lot, yeah. It's, it's, it, is a, it is not an undercover beat, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we'll start here because I'm really interested in this. Uh, the the Mark Stoops, John Calipari. I've been referring to it as sort of a kerfluffle. I'm I'm curious. You're I'm viewing it from thirty thousand feet, obviously, just reading coverage from you and others. You were there with Calipari to some degree when this all started, and then you saw the fallout. Can you sort of walk us through it and sort of how you viewed it?
1: Yeah. So. so you know i was in the bahamas with the basketball team for a week um they're doing their once every 4 years foreign trip um which on the court and and really off the court went really well for them they played great a lot of different guys looked really good they looked to me like you know a preseason top 5 if not higher team um uh, this this looks like a real contender and so that was kind of the 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 frustrating thing i'm sure for for calipari and and others uh, it should have been just kind of this romping, good time week where everybody gets excited about the program again. Uh, you know, after for as for as well as one could after losing in the first round of St. Peter's, Cal had had a pretty flawless off season. Uh, I think he had pushed all the right buttons, kind of to win a lot of people back. He was reasserted himself in recruiting and it looks like he's heading towards signing the number one recruiting class again, he kind of got his mojo back there, uh, made a really good uh, coaching hire, um, you know, did a, several sort of community-focused things. There have been a number of disasters in Kentucky, and, and he and the team have really stepped up and raised a lot of money and gone out into the communities and done things um, beyond raising money to, to I think, really uh, endear them in a lot of ways. And that's something Cal's done the whole time he's been there. Um, you know, they, they, they've listened to a few little things the fans have said. And and I feel like Cal has sort of tried to address some of those in in the way that he says things and, um, you know, just tweaking little things that fans say they want, um, you know, went out and scheduled a, a home and home with Gonzaga, um, just, it, to me, it felt like he was pushing all the right buttons, and and they're playing great in the Bahamas. And then, <laughs> and, and then uh, after the first game uh, they played, they had a film session, and he actually uh, let there were three reporters total that made the trip. He let they he let all of us come watch that film session up in his hotel suite. And then after uh, everybody left, he stayed and did kind of just a sit down interview with us. And and I had heard that he was kind of buzzing from some people around him that he – had this big idea to build a practice facility, and he wanted to talk about it. So he talked a lot about the team, and at the end, I just said, "Hey, tell me about this. What's what's the deal with this practice facility you're wanting to build?" That was basically the question. To, you know, <laughs> a talk about that. People, hey, talk about this. And, uh, and he, hey Kyle, he I've gotten to where well. I say,
4: Kyle, I've gotten to where I've, instead of talk about, because I've, I've, I, if I ever do that to myself, I get so mad at myself it ruins like two days. And so I was like, "Hey, could you elaborate on?" <laughs>
1: Yes. I guess, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not a snobby person about that. Like, I like, like I have i am you know, I'm, I'm big J journalism guy. And, and it, and it makes me mad if you say talk about, I mean, I think you ought to try to be more creative, but if it elicits a good response or sometimes you're just kind of in a, you're trying to flip your question in, in the crowd, yeah. uh, talking over people. If you, if you get something out and you get a good answer, I'm good with it. So anyway, I asked Cal, just tell tell me about this practice. I know nothing. I don't know any detail other than you're excited about some kind of practice facility you want. So he goes, talks for 12 uninterrupted minutes, which Cal is known to do at times. And it went a lot of different ways, but the way it went off the rails for him was when he said, you know, we're a basketball school always have been, you know, just like Alabama and Georgia, are football schools always have been, um, you know, and 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 then he said, you know, no offense to our our football team. I hope they win ten games and go to bowl games. That's good for everybody. It helps me do my job better. But we, but we're a basketball school, and that that made Mark Stoops angry, and he made no secret about it. Uh, I tweeted that out with my story, and he uh, quote tweeted it and said, I don't remember. It, it was he kind of clapped back. <laughs> Something at, about at we compete sport.
4: in the SEC or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and then I think he had another tweet, and then one of the assistants had a tweet, and then several UK football players had tweets, and and Stoops was retweeting people saying that that what Cal said was disrespectful, um, <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh, you know, and so so as this is unfolding, you know, behind the scenes, I you, you know, I'm I'm there with the whole basketball staff and team and everybody and as I understand it, like Cal immediately understood that that part of it was a mistake to say. And I don't think it's exactly what he meant to say. I don't mean, I'm not trying to like rewrite history and and apologize for him, But, but the gist of what he, what he was trying, the point he was trying to make was if Alabama football or Georgia football say we need something, then they build it because you, because you've got to support those flagship programs and, and, he, those were on his mind because both of those kind of premier SEC football programs have recently added some glittering new, you know, facilities upgrade that that anyone could argue you don't. They didn't really need, like, have to have, like they probably still had nice facilities as they were, but they still built the new thing because that's what you do when you're a power and you're trying to stay in power. You build the the bigger, newer, nicer thing. Before the next guy does, um, and he, he that was kind of I think what he wanted to say because a lot of people are saying Cal doesn't really need a practice facility, and he's basically saying if if Alabama football asks for one, they get it. If I'm asking for one, we should get it. Uh, and you can quibble with that; you can say that's entitled, arrogant, whatever. I don't think he'd care if people were mad about that, but it did bother him that it came off like sort of a, an affront to the UK football program because I don't I don't think that's what he meant to do. But it was taken that way. And, and I understand from Mark Stoops' perspective being frustrated about it. But what I I think the, the crazy thing about this whole saga is that it was allowed to go on. Um, you know, I don't think what Cal said would have really made much news if Stoops hadn't responded to it publicly and so strongly. I mean, Stoops made it a national story. And then. You know, From what I understand, Cal was trying to call him, was trying to apologize, was was crafting different statements, wanting to put something out to kind of say, hey, I didn't mean to say that, and I'm sorry. And he was told by administration, don't. Just don't say anything. Don't say anything else. We're just going to let this die. Except that then Mark Stoops and Mitch Barnard, the AD, called a press conference (laughs) two days later on Saturday
5: and basically
1: (laughs) drop a nuclear bomb on Cal. Uh, You know, it was like the, the, obviously Stoops was mad and that wasn't a big surprise, but he kind of went in, you know, don't basically get my program's name out of your mouth kind of comment. Uh, But then Barnhart comes out and he never talks to the media and he's always very sort of subdued. And we hadn't heard from him in like six months. He calls a press conference and talks for 45 minutes angrily about this whole deal and talking about, you know, we're going to show gratitude here and, you know, all this other stuff, all the other sports. And he says basically, you know, that practice facility Cal wants is not on my, it's not on our plan. Um, He essentially told Cal no in that press conference uh, and called him, you know, ungrateful uh, in essence. And then said something, the, the real eyebrow razor from Barnhart was like, you know, These two men have had every, been given every advantage to win championships, compete for championships since I've been here, and that'll always happen as long as I'm in the seat. And if that's not enough for them, coaches change all the time.
4: That's Um, what I thought was fascinating. Right. I mean, so I read, right. I read two things into that and tell me if I'm wrong. Cause you're, you're there. I mean, you, you, you know it. I, and I could be completely wrong. And if I am, it won't hurt my feelings. I almost read that. Like there's a concern on Barnhart's part that in this era where football is bringing in so much money and stoops has made Kentucky a program that typically, I don't think anybody would be offended by this has typically been mediocre. He's made them more than that. He's made them competitive. He's made them a story into November. Um, And he's maybe concerned that Stoops has some secret sauce at Kentucky that nobody else has, and maybe he looks at this and goes, look, Cal's great, but this is the preeminent basketball job in the country. And if Cal were to leave, the line of coaches that would be interested in this job would would, would go from Lexington to Louisville. I mean, they would be lined up to take it.
1: Yeah, and I I think it also tells you that Mitch probably, and and I believe this to be true just based on people I've talked to, probably has a, a short list already um of who you know because you never know with cal like when when that day might come for one uh but also i think you know i think he's got two or three names in mind and i think he's got some at least initial um you know confidence comfort slash confirmation that that one or two of them would absolutely take that job and they would be you know i think he you would get a big name you you could get somebody who's um, you know, been to Final Fours and maybe even won a national title in, in recent times. That would be interested and would be a fit. Now, I say a fit, but I, the the one thing you got to be careful for, careful of, is, is you got to be careful what you wish for, right? Like it, some of the people that want change. Um, yes, Cal should have another title, or if not two. Um, yes, he can be uh, sort of braggadocious and abrasive. But he's also been about as perfect of a personality fit for the kind of job that Kentucky is as you could find. And, and, I, and I, if you don't sort of see it every day in every facet of what it takes to be the Kentucky basketball coach, it might be hard to understand. But it is, there are not a lot of jobs like it. It is an all-consuming job where you have to recruit at the highest level, you need to win at the highest level, and you need to, you need to manage the spotlight and be in the spotlight at the highest level. Um, And all you have to do is look at Billy Gillespie, Um, the first best, the last before he basically was forced to hire Cal, which was true. He, he rejected Cal uh, after Tubby Smith left and Mitch Barnhart did and hired Billy Gillespie. (laughs) So uh, just, just blindly trusting that Barnhart will get it right or anybody would get it right. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily do that, but also, I think Gillespie was a good coach. Uh, he's, he's like, I think you know, competing for Division Two national titles and stuff like that. Now, um, I mean, he's a he's a good coach, but he was a bad personality fit. I mean, he was a horrible personality fit for all that it entails to be the Kentucky coach. Is just. There's so much to it and that job ate him alive in like under two years. I mean he was pretty much off you know, off his rocker by by, you know, the middle of year one. I think it had already kind of swallowed him up. Um and so you gotta be careful of that. And you can say in theory that a guy you just plug and plug and play if you're Kentucky uh, but it's got to be a uh, not just a really great coach. he has got to be a certain personality, I think, to thrive there.
3: What is the temperature around Perry? I mean, you're talking about a rabid fan base. He goes to, I guess, at least the maybe the final four or five of his first six years, only been back once since then or whatever it is, yeah. since 15. I mean, I, I know fans or whatever, but just in general, I mean, does he have basically a lifetime contract or is there a point where this isn't good enough, even though he's always at least at the top of the, the media conversation every year? Yeah.
1: Well, the nice thing for him is like, you know, fire him if you want to, and then give him his twenty-five okay, or thirty yeah. million dollars that you owe him. I mean, you know, they he does. He, he it's not truly a lifetime contract, but he signed a, I think it was an eighty-six million dollar extension uh, three years ago, um, and if he gets through two more seasons, then he gets into the part where he can retire at any time and basically collect a million dollars a year as a an ambassador for the university um and and so where he is in that contract they could if, if they got rid of him they'd owe him a pile of money wow. and he'd just go somewhere else with that pile of money and probably win um i i do think um there's some frustration i think all after all this there's definitely some some friction in the administration um and that goes both ways i, I think cal wants what he wants he thinks they need a practice of you know a shiny new one as a showpiece for the program, um, and clearly the athletic director doesn't want to give it to him. And now they've had this flap, and uh, I, you know I'm sure Barnhart feels like his basketball coach sort of spoke out of school and you know went above his head speaking publicly on that. And I'm sure that Cal feels now sort of disrespected by the the athletic director, maybe unsupported to let the football coach dump on him when he's trying to you know squash it. So. Um, there's friction there. Um, You know, and I think it also does speak to kind of the juice Cal has in, in the Kentucky, the larger Kentucky kingdom at this point that the football coach could take big time shots at him, kind of clap back at him. And there are, you know, there's a segment of the fan base is like cheering it on, (laughs) not, not that, Hey, don't, don't, you know, don't attack our basketball coach. But all that said, before this happened, I felt like I said like I said earlier like Cal was kind of turning the tide. It seemed like he's gotten his recruiting energy and mojo back, and, and they're going to have a huge class. But you know, forget that. You know, I think they have a real legitimate national title contender in this roster. It is, uh, I mean, he could easily start five seniors. The guy who's, has started five freshmen before, <laughs> and the king of one and done. He's got his oldest team. Uh, yet. He had a really old team last year. I think they're even older this year. Um, a, a ton of transfer, a mix of you know transfers that were really good. Uh, returning players who came back. They had a top 15 recruit who barely played last year, and he came back. Uh, Damian Collins, he was dunking all over everybody in the Bahamas. And then, again, you've got a couple of really elite freshmen on top of that, and it, it just feels like they have a really good team. Uh, all of that to say, if he does get back to the Final Four, he could he could come out and say whatever he wanted about march stoops and people would probably acquiesce uh you know he it's all about winning and so if they win big this year then all will be well i think for Cal.
3: take a break on the podcast tell you about community mortgage oxford memphis soto county and chattanooga all underwriting and processing is done in memphis so you can look look local underwriting and understand your market leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities. The two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com, 662-238-3159. Again, NESpark.com with prime shrimp. You get restaurant-quality shrimp shipped straight to your door. They also make it easy if you're a first-time customer. Use code MPW for $20 off your first order. They have six different meals in a bag, everything from the, uh, the signature blend that has been my favorite for a really long time, and the new flavor, the lemon and cracked pepper, Quickly moving up the uh, the list. It's a versatile option there for salads just by itself. Do a lot of different things with it. Put it on pastas. Again, lemon and cracked peppers, the newest flavor. Six in total there with Prime Shrimp. Primeshrimp.com. Ships straight to your door. Less than 10 minutes freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp. They also have their individually packaged or individually frozen shrimp. just like you find at the, restu- or the uh, grocery store except a higher quality, a restaurant quality shrimp from Prime Shrimp. Again, those are in two-pound bags and can also be shipped straight to your door as well. And it's almost Grove season. It's time for Johnston Hill Creamery to let you uh, get your tailgate catering taken care of. They're doing that in options for to feed 10, to feed 20, or to feed 40 for all Ole Miss home games this season. They uh, do a great job of artfully arranging the catering on trays to make your presentation look outstanding. They've got everything from some of my favorites, which is the pepper jelly, the uh, the uh, specialty trays, the artisanal, which is their uh, local cheeses they make in house every single day, the grazing, the charcuterie, the uh, sandwiches, and then great desserts like uh, cookies, brownies, and more. They'll do crudité if you want something a little healthier. Again, all there with Johnson Hill Creamery. That's 662 419 9201. And then last but certainly not least, GNM Pharmacy, 662 236 2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer medicine to figure prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. So whether it's one delivery, one pickup, they'll have what you need when you need it with G and M and they can also transfer your medications. It is really, really easy. You don't have to stay with the big box stores. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. You're going to know the people. They're going to care about you. They're going to know you and they'll get what you need, what you need when you need it with again, G and M that's 62-236-2222.
4: Yeah, you're right about Kentucky. By the way, I was in I was in Fayetteville over the weekend, and th- there was a lot of buzz there about their team because it's so young and the three potential lottery picks and all that stuff. And if you asked people, you, you know, is it, you think this is a, a championship team? And they're like, Look, I mean, we're good, but the best team in the league is probably the b- team that's usually the best team in the league. They are loaded, and so there's there's yep. li- league wide there's a a respect for not just Shebele, but just the entire roster that he's got put together, and I think that puts an expectation on him, though, that going into this yep. season, you know, the everyone's going to go, "Hey, Kentucky's even in a league that has a team as talented as Arkansas, and Arkansas is uber talented. Kentucky's going to be the team favored to win."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think without a doubt, you have to say that going into this year, this is this is a pivotal year for Cal um, because um, you know in 20 let me get get myself together here in 2019 uh they had a really really good team that was up 10 in the elite eight against auburn and blew it lost in overtime to auburn with a chance to get back to the final four i think if they get to that final four one i think they might have been the most talented team left in it and could have won the thing uh that was virginia's year um but If they just get to that Final Four, some of this pressure's off, but they don't. They just miss out on the Final Four. 2020, they win the SEC by three games, and then COVID hits, and they don't get to play in the postseason. You know, 2021 is the weird zombie COVID year, and and everything just goes completely off the rails for them, uh, and they have the worst record in, like, 94 years at Kentucky. And then you follow that with a great season. I mean, this – That team last year for two months was the best team in the country. They beat the two teams that played for the national title by a combined, I think it was uh, 50, 57 points away from home, (laughs) North Carolina and Kansas. One at Fog Allen in a a route. Um, And you you think this team is terrific. They have the national player of the year. A lot of good stuff actually happened last year for them. It was like a resurgent year. And then you face plant in the first round against St. Peter's a 15 seed. And so, you know, you, you've gone now three full NCAA tournaments without winning an NCAA tournament game or three full years, because uh, there wasn't a tournament in 2020, which is just kind of unprecedented at Kentucky. And I don't think that they can, um, I, I don't think people are going to abide a fourth straight year of no deep tournament run, because that's just what is expected at Kentucky. And even beyond the historical expectation of that, Cal set that bar for himself crazy high. He had that on the front end of his time at Kentucky, he goes to four final fours in five years, wins a title and plays for another and almost has an undefeated season in another year. I mean, the, the expectation he set for himself was, was to be right there, you know, at the end of March every year. And it's been now three years without, that and so I think there's huge pressure on this season uh when you know your team is loaded and there is no question talent wise and experience wise like they are loaded depth wise um they've got they're legitimately ten deep, maybe eleven now they added 11th, an eleventh 11th, uh scholarship player a couple days ago five star kid reclassified seven footer and enrolled early, so that's the level of talent they're working with at this point um you know, there's there's huge pressure to just get it done. Get get at least get deep. I mean, a, a national title I think probably um cements Cal as you know, he's like on the fence right now. Was it a really wildly successful tenure for Cal at Kentucky or was it a little bit underachieving for the level of talent he had? I think if he wins a second title, those questions go away. But I think just getting back to a final four at least gets some people off his back, and then he's got the number one recruiting class coming in behind it. You know, may relaunch Cal into a a few more years here.
4: Let me sh- shift to football quickly. Um, I know you don't cover it day in day out, and, and that kind of thing. But I'm am kind of more interested in in just your general view of it. Um, I've been sort of focused on Kentucky for a while because Ole Miss's schedule is set up where we're not going to know a whole lot about Ole Miss in the first month of the season. They play four kind of bad teams. They're going to be 4-0. They might be really good. They might not. We won't really know, but I th- I think we'll know on October the 1st when Kentucky comes here Will Levis is getting a lot of preseason hype from legitimate NFL people. Uh, it's a program that won a bunch of games the last couple of years. They've struggled against SEC West teams on the road, but there seems to be a lot of confidence in and around Lexington about this football team, just from what you've been able to sort of absorb from being around people who are around the program? What are the expectations there?
1: Well, they're high. I mean, it's um, it's an interesting time because I think people are, you know, rightfully and reasonably super excited coming off a 10-win season, and you got a star quarterback like Levis back and a handful of, you know, your high-end players are back. But there are some major questions for them. You know i don't they they're replacing both tackles, and I'm not sure that they're a hundred percent sold on any of those guys there there's talent there I mean they brought in a five star massive human being uh uh Keonta goodwin he's like six eight three thirty or something just a huge kid, but he's a freshman you know and and you know there are other two options uh uh on both sides uh both tackles are four you know former four star recruits and they they' the the talent level is there uh, but not the experience level, and then you know, wide receiver. They lost their star receiver, Wondell Robinson, who was electric, um, and they, you know, basically everybody that's going to be catching a pass this year um, is is going to be new. And again, they recruited really well. They went out, and got a great transfer from Virginia Tech, the one of the ACC's top receivers, and they they've got four and five star wide freshman wide receivers, uh, one of the best wide receiver recruiting classes they've ever had. Uh, but those guys are freshmen, so you know, are they are they going to be playmakers? Uh, and then in the secondary, um, you know, they've been taking D two and and you know, JUCO and and former walk-ons who played at Miss, former walk-on DB who played at uh, Mississippi State. I mean, he played a lot, but he started his career as a walk-on. Uh, they they've been taking a ton of bodies, <laughs> kind of warm bodies in the secondary, and that to me tells me they're worried about their secondary, and so. Um, there are questions, but Will Levis is a game changer. You know, I think he was a, kind of a revelation over the course of last season, especially in that new offense. Um, the They they changed coordinators. Their offensive coordinator went back to be the coordinator for the L.A. Rams, where he came from, which tells you they had a good year at Kentucky under him last year. And then they brought in a guy from the 49ers um, to keep continuity of that style of offense. And he's uh, Rich Scanzarello. Um kind of a quarterback whisperer in the NFL. And he's obsessed with Will Evans. I mean, he told me that he was, you know, more talented than any quarterback in either of the last two drafts. You know, and there's been all this buzz. Some people have said, you know, he might be the first quarterback taken. I don't know, if it, you know, if you put him over, uh, uh, you know, Bryce some Allen. of the other players even in the league, uh, namely at Alabama. But, um he's good and he's you know a dual threat he can win with his arms and his legs he's got a huge arm and he's he's a very very gifted runner um and I think that alone with a bunch of kind of veterans back on a on a solid defense gives you some hope and Kentucky hasn't had kind of a game-breaking quarterback since you know Tim Couch Jared Lorenzen and that's been 20 plus years now I guess Andre Woodson falls in that category but I would say that Levis is a more dynamic player even than he was and so I think all the hope is sort of pinned on this idea that we've won games the same way for a long time. Run the football, which they should be able to do. Chris Rodriguez is back, one of the leading rushers in the league. We've run the football. We've played good defense. And they think they can do that again. Plus, finally, they've got a real difference maker at quarterback. I think that's a huge reason for the hope and the hype for them.
3: What has he been able, to Stoops from a standpoint of the more big picture aspect around him, mean, you know, you mentioned that he felt like he had the, the juice to, to go back at Cal and whatnot, but how has he sort of energized just that fan base? Because look, I mean, Cal was right, it's a basketball school, but what's it sort of been like just from a buy-in administration and fan base around Stoops as he's been consistent at the level that he is? Because they do feel like, and, and I think you know what I mean here, they feel like just the SEC football program when it almost felt like they were just trying to get to basketball season in most of the years past.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. They they were this long suffering fan base where they would put 70 some thousand people in the stadium. If you would just win six games, you know, if you were just a competitive team in the rich Brooks era, uh, you know, they were packing that place out to win, to try to win six or seven games in a season. Um, and, you know, I think they went that way for a long time. Just, just give us a competitive football team and we'll support it. And you saw them turn out in big numbers. But then they got really beaten down. I, I, I showed up to cover Kentucky in 2011, uh, Joker Phillips' second year, uh, and they'd been on this run of I think it was five straight bowl games, which was pretty impressive in in Kentucky's modest history. Yeah, they go five and seven that year, and then 2012 it just fell off a cliff. They went two and ten. The last Joker Phillips home game, I think the actual attendance at that game was like fifteen thousand people. I mean, it was sad. Um, The, you know, Stoops gets hired and they go 2-10 his first year. I remember, you know, one of his assistants came off practice field one day and said, what you doing? He said, I'm going recruiting. This team is, like, the talent (laughs) level is so bad. Um, They they had had a secret scrimmage that summer against an OVC team and gotten their butts kicked. Um, You know, they, they, they had OVC talent, you know, and crazy. Like, they had... One double A or very low, you know, one A level talent in trying to compete in the SEC. They were, you know, trying to recruit two star hidden gems, which which Stoops has done. I mean, Stoops has gotten some two star hidden gems that turned into first round draft picks there. But those are, you know, those are your, you know, those need to be few and far between. Those are great when you find them, and every good staff does. But if your whole approach is like. We signed uh, 22 stars. We hope, you know, 10 of them turn into four and five stars. That You're probably not going to get that. You know, a couple are going to work out, and most of them are going to be terrible. Um, and so, you know, facilities were bad. The team was bad. They, you know, you'd strung together these years. And even really stoop second and third years, you know, they'd get off to these hot starts and then face plant. So they go you – know, I think they started uh, five and one – one year and, and four and two the next and then couldn't get to their sixth win. And so there was a number of years where they just, the fan base that had been so good and long suffering kind of gave up, I think kind of gave up hope and they, they went away in droves and, and attendance was bad and season tickets were down. And I just didn't think there was any real hope or interest in UK football anymore. And I think Stoops was very close to running out of time and he got off to an zero and two start in his fourth year. And it was like this guy's getting fired, and then they went on a run. They made the made a bowl game, and it and it all got turned around. And now I would say uh, the just like the consistency of losing kind of beat them down. I think the consistency of winning and winning some big recruiting battles and signing great classes and you know going to big you know New Year's Day bowl games and beating you know a ranked Penn State, beating a ranked Iowa, um, you know having some star players that people know around the league know and are interested in and get drafted high, everybody's excited about it again. You know, season ticket sales are way up again. And, you know, they've had a number of sellouts in the last couple of seasons under Stoops. And so, um, yeah, I, I I think it's really been a Herculean effort to win them back because they had so checked out, I think on the program, just thinking, okay, we're just never going to be, a competitive SEC program certainly not a, a contender uh, in the in the SEC East and I think they feel that they are now
3: yeah last thing really appreciate the time you know they've been to four straight bowl games and mentioned one of them all you've got three Florida bowl games in there has he got, a, has he got his eye on any specific job what's what, what's Stoops future as this thing plays out or is this one where he could actually be here for even longer he's been here you know nine years or whatever now
1: yeah, I mean, I I I think it's possible he stays. I mean, I think he's really proud of what he's built, and he likes his life in Lexington. And he's gotten into the bourbon business uh, down here as well, and and so there's a lot of things going right for him. And I think he's in his comfort zone. But I do think he he would love to compete for a national championship. He's incredibly competitive. He wants to go. Yeah, you know, if he left, it would be for a place that has won and he still believes could win national championships. It would be. One of I think the traditional sort of power type programs that's got just tons of money that 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 where there's no question that you're at a football school. By the way, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I think Florida State was one of those that sort of fits that bill. But I think he is, I don't think he believes as much in Florida State as a program anymore. That's where he came from as a coordinator.
4: But Mike Norvell like appears Texas, to agree.
1: Obviously, Texas is hopeful they're finally actually back for real back but if you know if texas ever opened up again in the reasonable future i think uh that's the type of a job you know the one that's not that doesn't really fit that category we're talking about but i do wonder is iowa because that's where he and his brothers played um it would allow him to still recruit ohio and some of those places where he's really got those ties um and you know the way the big ten is set up like can you be at least in the mix when you're at Iowa, you know, to, to win your division and play in the, in the Big Ten championship game. And if you get to the Big Ten championship game, then you're in the mix, you know, to make the playoffs. And so Iowa is an interesting one for me. Um, you know, it, that it's truly that job's going to open up in the not so distant future. Um, they've, they've been with the same guy for a long time. Uh, and they'd be crazy to me not to come after Mark Snoop. So, you know, I would say Iowa and then just think about, you know, traditional powerhouse programs that have won national titles um, that maybe are trying to get back to the level they were before um, I think would be on the list that could at least entice him. I don't know, you know, Kentucky would probably do anything it could to keep him, And then they just threw John Calipari under the bus to, to appease his anger. So uh, I think he could get just about anything he wants right now.
4: Cal, you're awesome at what you do. Big fan of your work.
0: Appreciate your time this morning. I uh, hope you have a great week.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank you.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
4: That's Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, kind enough to give us a lot of time here on a uh, Tuesday morning. I'll, let me be clear what I'm about to say. Because I don't want this thrown at me. What we got?
3: Where, are what we, where are we go, going
4: here? I was talking to an NFL guy yesterday. Uh, Will Levis? Yeah. Okay. And he was going on and on about Levis. And I was asking about Levis. And I was like, he wasn't that great last year. He was good. He did some good things. And he goes, you know who you just described? Joe Burrow. And I was like, come on. Joe Burrow. And he goes, there's a lot Of Joe Burrow comps in NFL circles involving Levis, he goes. Let me be and let let me be clear for him. He goes, let me say this: I'm not ready to go there yet. He goes, I'm just telling you in NFL scouting circles. You got to keep in mind something here before people go wild. You got to remember something, and we talk about this all the time. Look at Ole Miss right now, searching for a quarterback. Is obsessive. Yes. Okay? Because you can't win big without one. And in NFL circles, searching for that guy that can come be the guy who Joe Burrow's your franchise Mm -hmm. is a constant obsessive thing. That's just the name that some NFL people go, hey, could be. Loads of talent, tons of charisma, team guy, Real cool, good with media, etc. They're watching him. The whole Levis thing as an NFL target is not media hype. It's not. It's not media hype. They're fascinating
3: because. I mean, it's it's obvious you heard all talking about all the issues they do have. I mean, two two brand-new tackles in the SEC is a problem. I mean, yeah. that is an issue with, with the ends and the, the speed around the edges. You've got secondary issues, and the SEC throws the football. And you, and yeah. Those are all things that are very real. But I do really like their quarterback and really like the Robinson kid at running back.
4: And, and they're it, loaded at receiver.
3: They got the kid that Ole Miss wanted from tag.
4: Barry and, and Browns had a big-time camp. Isn't that his name? Yeah, it is. Um, I was a, thinking about the transfer though, oh, the kid from Tech. Okay, Ole Miss was number two for him. Yeah, they've they've done a lot of stuff. They're 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 talented. They're good up front on defense. They're that damn week up two or three
3: game against Florida is really interesting. It is, and if they win it. They're 4-0 or We're do or whatever f- it is. People yeah. are like,
4: man, you guys talk a lot about Kentucky. I'm like, I don't think you realize how big that no, game that's
3: is. No, that's why, yeah, that's the reason Kentucky is on our minds. It's not we just picked out random East team who Ole Miss doesn't play.
4: Because, look, Ole Miss could blow out Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and Tulsa, and what will we really know? Notice I didn't say think, no. What will we know? You won't know a lot. You'll probably think by that point, hey, this seems pretty good. This team's got a shot to be really good, but in the back of your mind, you're going to go, but have they played anybody? And Kentucky's going to come in, and if Kentucky's what I what I think they are, what most people think they are, that day we'll get an answer to that because they're going to play somebody that day. Kentucky could not be very good
3: and still go eight and four. I love their schedule. Yes, their schedule is incredible. Love come their true. schedule. Walk through it. Miami of Ohio at Florida. Youngstown State in Northern Illinois prior to Ole Miss, so Florida is their one game yeah, they could lose, yeah. and then after that, I mean, it's the meat of the schedule. But there's not a game where they're going to be an underdog unless Tennessee is much better than we think. South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Where are those
4: games? Slow uh, down. It's at South, South
3: South Carolina's at home. Okay. States at home. Okay. At Tennessee. That's a challenge. That's a big game. Yeah, sure. At Missouri. Nah. Vanderbilt at home. Nah.
4: Play Georgia. Georgia, sure. At home. Yeah.
3: And Louisville at home. Yeah. No, I mean, look, if we do this with Ole Miss where you go. They have eight home games unless
4: they've got a neutral site game I'm not aware of. We do this with Ole Miss where you go, look, if, if they beat Kentucky, you're potentially off to the races. Well, if Kentucky beats Ole Miss, they're, they're potentially, potentially off to the races, like being a top six, seven. They, could, they should
3: be 7-0 and 0 going to Knoxville yeah. if they beat Ole Miss.
4: Yeah. Where you're talking about them where if they beat Tennessee on the road, well, suddenly they're a win yeah. away. That's a big win. Don't get me wrong, but hey, let Ole Miss get to let Ole Miss get to seven, eight, no, and people are going to start talking about that Alabama game in different sure. tones. Sure. So you, it would be disingenuous. Yeah, same if, thing. It's disingenuous if you don't say, "Hey, Kentucky's in a similar boat." Uh huh. Frankly, Kentucky and Ole Miss have a lot of similarities. the The difference with Ole Miss compared to them is that Ole Miss is still trying to figure out the quarterback thing. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's got to figure out how to protect him. But NFL people are really intrigued by him. I was like, more than Bryce Young? And they're like, well, here's the thing. Bryce Young plays with so much talent around him. Bryce, and you know, they'll tell you they loved that Auburn drive last year because it's answered some questions about Bryce Young. But... People are th- those same people go. If you gave Will Levis Alabama's talent, what would he look like? It's fair.
3: Can kind of run around college football a little bit before I do that. Do you
4: have anything else on the old Miss topic we were discussing prior, just so I don't forget? Um, just back to the quarterback thing quickly. I, I just thought his answers about quarterback were interesting yesterday. It we keep. It's a funny thing. Fans and a handful of media refuse to believe, and they might be right. I don't know. I'm not in Lane Kiffin's head, and he and I are not exactly exchanging phone calls, right? But I have to believe that if Lane knew who his quarterback was, he'd have done it by now. There's no benefit to not. Well, and and now, now that school Nobody's has started. transferring. Yeah, now that school has started, I mean, the, the elephant in the room is no longer in the room. The elephant has left the room until at least December. Now, there is... There is something, and I'm, I'm, I'm being careful how I word this. If you name Jackson Dart the starter and you're Luke Altmyer, you do have to start to ask yourself, do I play in more than four games this year? Do I give up a year of eligibility? Because I can get in the portal and go right away, and that can be a redshirt year and have three years to play three. I don't know that in today's college football it matters, but if you're Luke, that is something that you have to think about, and if you're Lane, that's something that has to be in the back of your mind. That look, if I don't name, if I don't name Altmyer my starter, he's almost assuredly going to get in the portal, and if he gets, if he knows he's going to get in the portal, does he really want to play in more than four games? Sure, and we're playing. I mean, we're in Lane's
3: head, and we're just doing a podcast here because we don't know the answer for sure. But I do like. Like Ginger says in the thread, she says, that I kinda don't buy that Lane doesn't know who his quarterback is at this point. I don't I think Lane knows who he wants his quarterback to be at this point. Okay. I think that he has a guy picked out that he wants to take the job who is ahead right now. But here's what you're doing also. If you name the quarterback and everybody on the team knows that he hasn't really separated, you potentially got locker room stuff. You've got a, you you need somebody to freaking emerge, and I think that's where he's frustrated right now. Is nobody has just gone absolutely the best guy where everybody knows it. I mean, you know, well, Br- Brian talked to Ryan Buchanan and showed this up this morning on, on on our podcast network. Ryan, including everyone else, knew Chad Kelly was the quarterback sure. even before Hugh Freeze named Chad Kelly the quarterback. Yeah,
4: so that's why we would laugh at the question. Yeah, exactly. Right. So
3: point being. You need it to be some level of obvious. So I think Lane knows what he's trying to hope to happen and probably will end up being the the answer either way. But you sort of need it to play out organically, and it does not feel like there's been that level of consistent separation here for that to be the case in either
4: direction. Right. I mean, we keep... (laughs) See I I I'm I'm trying to make sure that we're consistent with what we say because we always say hey Lane Kiffin's not really a coach speak guy. Yeah. Lane Kiffin kind of answers questions honestly and if he doesn't want to answer a question he just doesn't answer it. Like when you ask him, "Hey, did it, like someone said did anyone stand out in the scrimmage?" He's like, "I don't know, you know, we we've practiced Sunday, we practiced today. It was a long time ago." That was his way of going, "I'm not answering that." I don't want to answer did, did anyone stand out in the scrimmage? Of course, it was a football game. People stand out. He didn't answer that. Yet he doesn't blow off the quarterback questions. At some point, from a consistency standpoint, we have to go, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he doesn't know. He gave that anecdote. I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have gone, yeah, it's just we're kind of not there yet. You know, um, you know, did you guys know that Mars is the closest planet to Earth? I mean, he could have just done anything. But instead he gives us an anecdote. You know, Knox call, FaceTimes me every day and asks me and tells me. That, that was talking about it. Felt, when he does that, we're on year three now. When he does that, he's usually being, maybe always being genuine. Yeah. When Lane wants to dodge a question, he's really good at it. He just blows it off. Hey, what's an update on injuries? We don't talk about that. What about personnel? I don't like to single people out. Did, he, did any of the young guys, like there was a question yesterday, here's another example of this. I know I'm belaboring this point, but what else are we doing? It's Tuesday morning. <laughs> um, somebody asked, because he said, you know, hey, look, the offense had some big plays in the scrimmage, but a lot of defensive starters were out because of injuries or whatever. And so I think Suss asked, you know, did any of the young guys who got an opportunity with the one defense because of injuries, did any of them stand out? I don't know, you know, know, I I hate to single anybody out. had some guys do some good things. In other words, he blew Nick off on that question, and Nick would not object to that analysis. Yet when the quarterback questions came, he answered them. I thought that was interesting, that's all. And maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but maybe I'm just getting myself ready for, you know, what he said, what he meant. But I I thought it was, I thought that was compelling. He blew off some questions, and yet when he got those questions, he answered them. And so if you take him at his word, he doesn't know who his quarterback is. Yet he, he said, we still have plenty of time. He said, you know, he's, I asked, is there a chance if they stay close like this that you go into it as almost co-starters? And he said, no, not yet. Still got some time. We'll cross that bridge if we get to it. So that's not a no. That's a Probably not,
3: because you 100% new. It'd be easy to go. No, we're getting. You know, we're just not there yet. We're getting close. We'll we we'll name a starter. Blah blah blah.
4: Well, sure. yeah, and you know, I mean, he pointed out that John Rice Plumley was named the starter at UCF. He congratulated John Rice in his press conference, which I thought some people go, he's being trolling. I mean, no, he's not. He's congratulating a kid who he likes. He likes the kid, um,
3: and it is good for John Rice. He 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 went to a place where he thought, well, frankly, he should have been able to play two sports. The NCAA screwed sure. him last summer, and. He, 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 fits he will probably has a very successful, fun rest of his college football career. He,
4: he fits that offense perfectly well. Yeah, it's a, like a glove. And he does not fit lanes, and everyone knows it. Yeah. So that's fine. But I thought that was interesting. And then, again, to circle back, and I guess to finish this really long belabored point, if you aren't going to name Luke the starter, you want to be 100% sure. Because if you're Luke, and it's this close, and you don't get it, If I'm advising Luke at that point, right, I have a question, hey, do you you just want to stay at Ole Miss no matter what? And if the answer is yes, then I'm like, okay, cool, don't worry about it. But if this no, I want to be a quarterback. All right, well, you need to think about what happens with you this year with games played. And I know people are going to get mad at me, and I'm going to get attacked for this, and I shouldn't, but... I'm being objective and fans can get emotional. But if you're Luke and you're not going to be the quarterback and you know that looking around the landscape next year, going to be an opening at Kentucky, going to be an opening at Mississippi State, could be an opening in Arkansas, could be an opening at I don't know where else. Missouri always has an opening. Um, There are places you could go and be a quarterback in the SEC next season. And you got to think about your eligibility at this point. If you're not the guy, and so I'm sure Lane is aware of that. If I can think, while also
3: staying locked in, knowing you're just one sprained ankle at any moment. Sure, yeah, that's the
4: you know. But you'd have to think about that if you're him. So that's what gets interesting about it. And until you are 100% sure that you're ready to go down that road, maybe you don't do it. So to your point, you might be exactly right. He he might kind of know what he wants to do. But I was told, and I wrote this on the board, by people who've been out there that the frustrating thing, if there's been frustration, and Lane referred to it as a positive thing, that both guys have played well. And again, I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to say, hey, maybe he's right. Um, The frustrating thing has been one guy will have a really good day and you start to think, hey, there's going to be some separation, and then that guy comes back the next day and has an inconsistent day. And it evens back out. And, I mean, we're 11 days out now. I don't know if they could do it today. They could do it tomorrow. But he did not sound like a coach who was naming a starter imminently yesterday. Uh, no, he, he 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 didn't.
3: But... He also didn't put himself into a corner where if he names it on Friday, it's weird. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely not. Hey, you know, this this week, so-and-so has been really good. Insert John Doe, and here we are. Okay, cool. Sure. As opposed to the really weird Quinn Ewers deal at Texas here in the last few days as he – and look, I mean, I'm – I'm not even making fun. Like, Anwar is a really good reporter. He obviously had sources that he was very, very whatever. And he essentially said he would bet his mortgage on Hudson Card being named the starting quarterback at Texas. And Texas named Quinn Ewers the starting quarterback, like, two hours later. Yeah. Um, almost to the point of, I'm wondering if Sarkisian is screwing with Anwar a little bit. Like, there was a weird – because here's what happened for anybody who hadn't been around this thing is – And this is where Lane talked about in the past that this can hit teams when you have the really high-profile transfer, you're paying out the wazoo, everybody's aware of what you're doing with Quinn Ewers. And now Lane said he was not doing this with Dart or anything like that, not getting down that road. But just in general, that it would potentially put coaches in weird spots. Everybody around the Texas program believes that Quinn Ewers is basically playing because he's the guy they're paying the most money to a quarterback right now for – Steve Farkeesian, is that true or not? I mean, hell, I haven't seen their practices. I don't know. Right. That's what I'm reading is, is I read around the league a little bit. the All the industry or not all the team sources and stuff had said Card was ahead, and then when they were doing a press conference in the Texas media room or whatever, they get done with interviews, bring three players, random players that don't really matter, and like the communications guy just goes, hey, sorry, got a note from Sark real quick, Quinn, yours is the quarterback. And that was how they announced it. And he was, like, two hours after, was like You remember, like, sun silence, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, But that was it. That was literally how they announced the starting quarterback at
4: Texas. Here's the backup defensive tackle. Now I ask questions.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they didn't bring him out in the press conference. It was like, yeah, random guard, tackle, guard, or something. It just – look, maybe they go win 11 games and whatever. There is something about that program that everything about it just goes sell, 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 sell and nothing yeah. turns me the other way. Because when I heard Steve Sarkeesian, I thought, that's a guy that has a chance to be a really good coach. I actually thought it was a pretty good hire for what they sort of needed. He's done a poor job at this point. Like, just managing that hellaciously difficult program to manage, he he has not done a very good job with it. The, the board, the boot, everybody's still kind of running the asylum a little bit over there, and yeah. he's just holding on for dear life. I mean, they're interesting just from the standpoint of it looks like a car crash any moment. We want to make sure we're watching when impact happens.
4: Well, and and, and that and the fact that they're recruiting at such a high level for next year beyond just the obvious. I mean, I'm not referring to only Arch Manning. They have a really talented class coming in from a rankings standpoint. What that's worth, I don't know. Beats me. I haven't gone to watch those kids play, so don't. I'm I'm not. My answer to, hey, have you ever seen so-and-so? Nope. Um. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's Texas is weird. They've always been weird. They can't get the boosters out of the way, and now NIL has made the boosters powerful a necessity. Yes. Look. Texas
3: needed. No one thought Quinn Ewers wasn't going to start. Okay, let me make that clear. Or going into the year, like anybody with any sense of a brain knew that they were going to have to basically start Quinn Ewers. One would think. But what some of this stuff means is he hasn't looked worth a crap or at least better than Card, who couldn't beat out Casey Thompson.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
3: they've had some quarterback issues in Austin, if you will. So well, they've had,
4: They've had a lot of issues in Austin. I mean, again, <laughs> go back and watch last season. I mean, not only did they lose to Kansas, when they played an SEC team, they played a good SEC team, but not a great one, a good one, and they got routed. That was a rout. And it was a destruction at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, people, if if Jefferson doesn't make a bad read in the second quarter of that game, that is 40-something to nothing. It was a blowout. That team's getting ready to jump into the SEC? That program needs a Nick Saban. It needs a power guy to it's come always in. needed that. And there aren't many Nick Sabans out there. He flirted with it once. Oh. I think Went they, down the road, I didn't he? I think they could have had him. They screwed it up because they couldn't surrender the power. It's the underappreciated part of what happened at Alabama is there was some pushback. And finally, after Rodriguez... Turned them down. They just said, screw it. Let's do it. And it's kind of worked out. But that's what Texas needs. I mean, you can talk about fit and hot offensive, blah, but screw that. You, you need somebody who can come in and shut the doors and say, this is how we're going to do it, This is how it's going to be, and you tell the boosters, You'll talk when we want you to talk. You'll be heard from when we want you to be heard from. And, and you, Sarkeesian and has hard. tried
3: to go there, but it's not his normal personality all the time. So he yeah. he's inconsistent. He backs off and up and back and up and up and well, up. Just and Just because
4: that. you worked for Nick Saban doesn't, doesn't make, make you Nick Saban. Yeah. I mean, look, Billy Napier would have been a much better fit at Texas.
3: I don't know if he would have had the juice, though. To actually get them out of the way.
4: To circle back to Kyle Tucker, you'd have to think about a Mark Stoops. Somebody knows what the hell he's doing. Can run a program. And make no mistake, from a PR standpoint, in the eyes of kind of some ads and stuff out there, him standing up to Calipari earned brownie points. Oh sure. Oh, I mean, this guy, this guy's a man's man. I
3: mean, I didn't really think about it from that level. Comment a good point. The AD backs the football coach in a football-basketball
4: fight at Kentucky. Yeah. Well, look, if you listen to Kyle, I'm pretty good at uh, Between the Lines 101. He was referencing specific human beings as the the next guy. He had an idea. He knows something. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't going to tell us, but he gave us more than a few hints. That Barnhart's got... A very short list. Might be. Yeah, one to three names. Yeah. And would they take it? Of course, everybody would take it. It's the best job. It's the best job.
3: You'll get what you need. Yeah. Look, Cal's been, again, I I, I looked it up while we were talking to him. He's been to one Final Four since 2015. Yeah. Actually, none since 15. It was 15. Yeah. That's not good. No. Not good enough. Not what they want. He's a lot of flash and not a lot of substance lately. Code everything. Heisman trophy odds. CJ Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, plus two hundred. You gotta go two to one to pick Stroud to win the Heisman. You give any care about that. He is a uh, more than double favorite over Bryce Young, who is plus
4: four thirty. Okay.
3: You can a hundred and win four thirty on Bryce Young if yeah, you would I, like. Give me some other names. I'll I'll take give me some give me some lines. Caleb Williams plus seven hundred. Nah. Trevion Henderson running back. In the, Ohio State plus two thousand, not bad. The man who is getting the most money on him in the Heisman Trophy betting to this point is Will Anderson at plus twenty two hundred.
4: Oh, that's that's the line. I love that line. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's not a bad bet. It's the
3: most popular Heisman pick. The larger bets are on Stroud, who threw for blah 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 blah. But more than twenty percent of the money um, is on Will Anderson. He is um, let's see, where is it? I had it up a second ago. His odds have gone in the off season from sixty to one to twenty two to one because of the money. And uh, yes, he has drawn more bets and more money wagered at DraftKings than anyone else. i never remember only one defensive player has ever won the Heisman Trophy. That's Charles Woodson in nineteen ninety seven over Peyton Manning, but Will Anderson at twenty two to one right now. Cause he's the best player in the country. Doesn't mean he's gonna win the Heisman, but he's the best player in the country. Yeah. What are the what are the
4: uh what's the line on Levis?
3: Uh, I don't have one right here, I don't think. Uh, this is only the favorite. So the only other two lines I have is Jameer Gibbs, the running back at Alabama who transferred from Georgia Tech at plus 2,400. I love that. And then Bajan Robinson, the running back at Texas,
4: plus 2,500. They're not yeah. going to win enough, so no. it doesn't matter. Hey, our friends at uh, Blue Delta are excited to announce they'll be hosting Mustache the Band Friday, October the 14th, for the Square Jams After Party. Come out to support the Rebels on the Oxford Square at Square Jams, then compete. Complete your night at the Lyric with the folks from Blue Delta Jeans, uh, the world's most powerful 90s country band uh, ticket uh, packages are on sale now. Uh, some tickets include jeans and some don't, but all include admission to the concert and an open bar. To book, just visit bluedeltagenes.com slash afterparty and they'll see you there.
3: We didn't talk about this when it happened. We're both selling, I think, on Scott Frost and Nebraska anyway. But his comment about his lineman throwing up has not gone away now in like 10 days. And he continues to do nothing symbolizing a hot seat coach who actually has it figured out right now. Yeah. Whatsoever. He's commenting on his offensive line coach of the day and how tough and all this crap he is and says that his guys are in shape, but he has 10 to 15 vomits per practice. And it's like... Is not. that supposed to be a good thing? A, it's a lie. There's no way they're actually
4: having 10 to 15. Because if they times are, of one of two things. One, they're either not in shape, and that reflects on your program. Yes. Or two, you're abusing them. Yes. Because if super in shape guys are throwing up 10, 15 times of practice, we got issues.
3: It it defies logic. It sort of went away for a couple days after the immediate, like, you're an idiot, whatever, we we're all moving on. And then some NFL writers sort of Went. We've been to a lot of info training camps and have never seen ten total vomits over the course of tw- a twenty-year career.
4: Actually, so because it's not the way you practice no. anymore. That's not how you. The, the, so
3: is he just being stupid and joking, or does he legitimately think that running the
4: hell out of his team is making them tougher? He just tells me he doesn't get it. Like Pat Fitzgerald probably could just take them out of their misery Saturday. He could just end it <laughs> mercifully just move on just lose to the wildcats and be done there's a there's probably a part of
3: uh Trevor Alberts the Nebraska athletics director who wants Northwestern to win this game Saturday and just Oh sure he he probably is very much the same place that the Arkansas AD Jeff Long was in Oxford that day when he looked very sad that Arkansas had won the game in Oxford that afternoon
4: he was sick yes
3: he wanted the Rebels to hold on to that lead. Yeah. That was a weird elevator. Well, it's where I believe you either heard this later or you'd heard it beforehand, but Arkansas had essentially rented out their suite and couldn't find enough people to fill it
4: Yeah, in Oxford.
3: They didn't have enough boosters that wanted to fly over private and just go to the
4: game. Yeah. They could literally couldn't get enough people there. And they were losing that game, and Jeff Long was like, this is it. This is Waterloo. Yes. And they came back. And then yeah, they came back and Ole Miss lost and Arkansas won, and Bielum is running around like he'd won the Super Bowl, and he Jeff did. Long looked like someone had just shot his puppy. Jeff Long was having a very difficult time. Cause if you remember the our rival site asked me to go get video in the That's and right. so I went to that press conference and you handled the Ole Miss press yeah. conference. And um, I was in there, and you, it was the body language was weird. It was not the body language of a victorious AD. A guy who was sort of on top of the
3: world from an AD standpoint, Jeff Long had a lot of clout, and he is out of yeah. a- a- athletic administration now.
4: Was kind of viewed as like a preeminent AD. And then he made a couple bad hires. When he went to Kansas. Yeah, well, the, the Miles thing, and that did him. Which... And didn't he, It's kind of complicated. And wasn't he tied up in the Beatty thing, the way what happened was he David Beatty? It seems like he was. I'm just touching on a couple of these because I don't have them previously recorded to be fully uh, um, uh, transparent. A-Stock Auctions is a Nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock Auctions start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1. Shop now at astock.bid or download their app. Name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. Want it? Bid it? Win it.
3: Yeah, he was mostly just, he was mostly criticized for his not vetting miles and and knowing any of it. Yeah. was the reason he was run out, essentially, was he had poor background checks,
4: which is valid. That's, That's an issue. A, when you're a Power 5 AD.
3: He stepped down, but they fired him.
4: Yeah, when you're a Power 5 AD, your football coaching hires, your men's basketball coaching hires are what determine whether you're successful or not. Yeah, he was the first ever chairman of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Yeah. You can screw up a soccer hire. they never get over it. You can mess up a track and field hire. People get over it. As long as it's not scandalous. Frankly, when you hire those people, you say, look, do the best you can. Do not get in trouble. But when you make a football hire, if it goes bad, it's on you. You make a men's basketball hire and it's a disaster, it's on you. The rest of it, it's okay. And a few places baseball registers close to that, but not many. Kansas, you can make a bad baseball hire and nobody's ever going to care. But you can't have a football program that's losing and Getting terrible, scandalous headlines. That's that's inexcusable, and that'll get you fired. And it did.
3: The SEC potentially could not have. I mean, barring they could have a couple, but there's a way to get to the league without any changes from a coach standpoint. But it feels like every league's got two or three where it's like, well, no, we're about to have a nationally, yeah, a
4: ton of turnover." But I, I think at the end of the season, the the, the deal is. It's When you look at it today and you go, okay, well, this team could lose whatever. Those aren't emotional losses. They're paper losses. Like Mississippi State comes to mind. Missouri comes to mind. Yeah, sure. You know, if you told Missouri fan today, hey, you're going five and seven. Eh, Okay, whatever. We'll just roll it over. But then when you lose the seven. You know, like at the end, you get blown out by Tennessee, and then you lose to Arkansas on that Friday or whatever, and you're like, "This doesn't work." Is this? this I, I hate this guy. I'm, it's more emotional, and that's where the decisions get made. I mean, look what look what happened with Matt Luke. I mean, that was he was fine even after. I mean, it worked, but it was emotional.
3: Leach <clears throat> is out. What well, they lost to Ole Miss, and what number
4: of wins? Five or fewer? Maybe even six and
3: say So you think you could get in at six and it'd be okay at six well, and Well so six? here's the
4: thing, and I'm not trying to bash on Mississippi State here because they know the answer better than I do. Are they positioned from an NIL standpoint to do better than Mike Leach?
3: They are very they are very far behind inside the SEC, I've been told by people who would know. That's what I've heard. Like way behind. Yes. They only actually got anything even in the realm of the Grove Collective or something to that that infrastructure. They've only even had operational a couple weeks, maybe a month,
4: something like that. Yeah, so the question is, who can you get? Who can you get? And I think in today's era, you better know that answer before you make a a move. I mean... Does Will Hall win enough at Southern Miss to move the needle at Mississippi State yet? Feels like that's still a year or two away. I mean, I know of some young coaches out there that would have to think about it because of the SEC money, but at the same time they would go, gosh, I think if I just stay here another year or two, I can Billy Napier this. I can get a better gig. Yeah. I don't know. Because look, if, if in that division, and you're about to add Texas and Oklahoma, and we can rip on Texas all we want, but Texas is going to have players, and if they ever get the right guy, they'll figure it out. Oklahoma's going to be a good program. Look at the rest of the SEC. Just look at the West right now, today. Sure, Alabama's dominant. Texas A&M is whatever they are, but they're, they're not a pushover. Nobody looks at A&M and goes, W. Sure. Okay. LSU just got Brian Kelly. Most people think that they're coming back. Ole Miss is – Bill Connolly has Ole Miss in the top ten. Yeah, nine, I think. Ole Miss just won ten games. Lane Kiffin's got them rolling. They're recruiting at a pretty high level. Um, Sam Pittman's got Arkansas winning more than they usually do. They're recruiting at a pretty high level. Sure. Um, All of those programs are far more invested from an NIL standpoint than state. It feels like I'm leaving somebody out, but – Auburn. Auburn they're either going to win and get rolling or or they're going to make a big time change in November. And so the odds of Auburn just staying down for a long history says that they won't stay down. Yeah. They'll come back. So if you're, if you're a coach out there, it's the worst job in the West. You have to ask yourself, okay, how much worse? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I actually think Billy Napier is going to win at Florida relative to whatever the job allows. I don't think it's a great job, but I think he will win. And I I would pick him over Tennessee to be the number two team in the East behind Georgia for a while. I think Florida's the pick there. Could be wrong, but that is what I think.
4: I'd like to see another season. Kind of like to see what Florida looks like. Sure. Not wins.
3: Oh look, they might suck this year. But I want to see
4: what they look like. Do they now they are recruiting pretty well inside out right now? They appear to have a pretty good little structure going. He's really good. He knows what he's doing. I know he sounds different and acts different, but if you talk to coaching people, they all pretty much rave about Billy yeah. Napier. Because so We had Kyle on.
3: We started with some basketball. We don't do a ton of that in the, in the preseason. We'll say I pulled up a uh, top 25 rankings for the preseason for men's basketball. Just quickly, the uh, top 15 in reverse order, Indiana at 15, Villanova at 14, Auburn at 13. I didn't realize the Tigers were that high. Yeah. Auburn at 13. They're going to be good. Uh, Tennessee at 12. Yep. Texas at 11. UCLA at 10. Arkansas at 9. Baylor at 8. Creighton at 7. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Kansas at 6. Duke at 5. Kentucky at 4. Houston at 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gonzaga at 2. And North Carolina at number 1.
4: Yeah. Okay up four to five, top fifteen SEC programs. The league's just going to be a bear. Kentucky's elite, very very good. Arkansas's super young with that talent, but it is elite talent. How quickly he can put all that together? I think Tennessee's underrated right there. Um, Auburn's going to be really good, and then they didn't mention Alabama, but I think Alabama's got a chance to be a really good team. I mean, I mean I'll and, see then, and then here's of, another one: is, is Texas A and M. If you talk to people around the league, they they think A&M's going to make a jump in hoops.
3: Bama's at 20. That's it for the SEC. Okay, yeah. North Carolina um, bringing back three double-digit scores and a big-time transfer from Northwestern. Yeah. Among their, their starting five. Gonzaga, actually, is having to turn it over a little bit. Their rosters.
4: He's just got where he's so good at it. He can recruit. They have Timmy back, but. Yeah, they can recruit elite players, and they play in that league out there where you get lots of time to sort of develop it. But they play a great schedule. I mean, they'll play lots of teams, and they'll, he, he's good.
3: It's a jump up, but they've got the big kid, the the player from Chattanooga that transferred uh, yeah. Malachi Smith.
4: Yeah. So, so,
3: anyway, a little basketball there
4: to. Uh, you proud of me up. we had Tucker on, and I didn't ask about Shea Gildas Alexander? I wanted to, almost did.
3: I had to actually I had four or five more hoops questions and I thought we've got to get to football or people are gonna get yeah mad. if I actually had an hour with him I would have stayed on basketball for like another 20 minutes because I', I even, even I had some some hoop stuff that I wanted to get to people were going to need some better help. They were. They were. <laughs> <laughs> they were.
4: Uh, by the way, if you've been listening to MPW Digital over the years, you know that uh, I'm a big fan of mental health therapy. So is Chase. I've needed it uh, at times. Probably needed every day. And during the pandemic, uh, my girls utilize therapy as well. There's no stigma. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Taking care of your mind is just smart. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? And that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them that way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language, taking power naps. There's also BetterHelp online therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash mpw. That's betterhelp.com slash mpw.
3: So I haven't read the full story. And I mean, we're not talking about it now. We're kind of wrapping up, but. This whole thing, I guess it's finally getting publicized, and there's a documentary on it, but Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney owning this team in Wales is yeah, fascinating. It is. There's a story in The Athletic. There was yeah. a huge story in The New York Times this week about it. Um, again, there's a documentary detailing year one or whatnot, but it's a, it's kind of neat something. I don't know. I don't know
4: what the word is, but it makes a ton of sense for the the team. I mean, that – You know what's interesting here is that – We keep doing this, hey, soccer's never going to be a big deal in America, Mm -hmm. and everyone talks MLS when they say that, right? Sure. You know what's becoming clearly a really big deal in America? You see it on Twitter. The English Premier League is becoming a big deal in America. It has become, for football, people who like both sports, they're so excited about like next weekend because the soccer games start at 6 in the morning both you get the the, the whatever, game yeah. in england then you get the eight o'clock game and then you turn to like game day or whatever and then you get college football and then on sunday it's the same thing you get the sunday morning game and then you get your nfl and for people who love both sports they're like man this is a day we're we in yeah, yeah and yeah. those english premier league games if you like soccer and more and more people in our country do i know there are people that still hate it and you're, you're gonna what it's fine those English Premier League games are really, really good, and once you get a team, and now that Peacock is streaming, sure. you can watch Liverpool every game. You can watch Chelsea every game. Man City, Man U, Tottenham, Arsenal, uh, whatever. You can watch all those teams every game, and they are all. You can watch
3: every game in the entire. EPO? Yes.
4: Yes. Okay. And they're now building. They're building fan bases over here. And you see more and more people from America, the wealthy wanting to get invested in those teams and stuff like that. It's, I think that might be what becomes the big deal over here is mm. EPL teams, not MLS teams. Oh, well, that's fascinating. You see a lot of it. A lot of it. I mean, I was blown away that day in Vegas watching Chelsea mm-hmm. and all the kids who... I'm going to guess didn't make the trip over from London yeah. decked out in the Chelsea gear. Yeah. Thought it was pretty interesting.
3: They played a Mexican team. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 57,000 people on a hot night in July. Yeah.
3: All right. Thanks to Kyle Tucker for uh, all of his time today. Again, Rebel Uh But yesterday's uh, media opportunity, another one tomorrow, nothing today on that front. And we've got Week Zero games here coming up this weekend.
4: McCready and Siski today at 2 p.m. If you uh, want to follow along with us and join the stream, uh, Jay Tate and I taped Greatest Pod in the South, episode 187. That's up where uh, you get your podcasts. We taped that yesterday. It's up. Put it up last night, so.
3: Rippy has a show up this morning, too. Yeah. He has week two with Ryan Buchanan, former Ole Miss quarterback. So that is in the feed as well. And we'll be back tomorrow morning. Take care. Have a good day.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.